Welcome to The Common Rounds. Medical education for medical students by medical students. So Hamid, we, last time we talked about the, uh, the synapses. Yes, we did. And yeah. so now where do we go from here? So I think, um, so we talked about how synaptic transmission occurs, yep. but we re- didn't really touch on, you know, what is the thing that causes that transmission, did we? Yep. Mm-hmm. So today the focus of our topic is going to be on neurotransmitters. And I think it's a fairly large topic, so we decided to break it into two parts, where we cover most of the neurotransmitters in these two um, two sessions. Yep. So yeah, so make sure you tune into the second session that's going to follow um, pretty soon soon after this yep. podcast. Mm-hmm. Do you want to kick us off by um, just doing a recap on how the neurotransmitter actually released? What happens? Okay, so an action potential will travel down the axon and reach the uh, presynaptic terminals, yep. and that's going to trigger a, uh, the depolarization of the action potential is going to trigger calcium to enter the cells uh, or the synaptic terminal, which then will act as a signal to release these neurotransmitters we're going to talk about today. Exactly. These neurotransmitters will diffuse across to the postsynaptic terminal and uh, react with, like, attach onto these um, receptors. Yep. And then that's going to cause the downstream, downstream exactly. change. So I think there's a couple of neurotransmitters that um, we want to cover in this discussion. So acetylcholine, um, uh-huh. uh, norepinephrine, or noradrenaline, yep. uh, adrenaline or epinephrine, which is interchangeable. Mm-hmm. Histamine. Histamine and nitric oxide yep. and serotonin, I think, are, are the key focus. So let's start by talking about acetylcholine. Um, mm-hmm. I think it's one of the more, most important neurotransmitters and it's found everywhere in the brain. Um, firstly, how is it synthesized? Okay, acetylcholine is a fusion of acetyl-coenzyme A, or so acetyl-CoA, as well as choline. So these two form together and they're catalyzed by this enzyme called choline acetyltransferase. Yep, exactly yep. right. And again, in terms of its release signal calcium comes in and it causes acetylcholine to be released from the um, postsynaptic cleft into the oh, presynaptic sorry presynaptic cleft into the uh, into the synapse yep. where it then interacts by binding to mm-hmm. acetylcholine receptors so what happens once uh, it binds into the acetylcholine receptors yep these are uh, acetylcholine receptors are called nicotinic receptors yep and they um, they are a calcium sorry a, a sodium and potassium ion channel so they cause this uh, sodium and potassium to, to flow in and that can either cause a depolarization or yep. um, repolarization depending on what, what you're looking at. Exactly. But I think as a whole, um, acetylcholine happens to be an excitatory neurotransmitter. Mm-hmm. So it tends to bring the cells towards depolarization. Mm-hmm. And the, the reason this is important is that acetylcholine plays an important role in the neuromuscular junction. Mm-hmm. And so it's the key thing required to cause that initial depolarization in the muscle, mm-hmm. which eventually trans, um, transfers a depolarization wave into the muscle to cause contraction. Mm-hmm. If you guys are not sure about how depolarization works in the muscle, probably go back to our muscle talks where we covered this uh, in, in great detail yep. just so you can be a bit more familiar with it yeah um so once acetylcholine is in the synapses it can't be there forever can it because um it's no. associated you know you can't depolarize the cell forever yeah how is it degraded or how is it removed from the synapse okay so there is this enzyme the second enzyme that's quite important called acetylcholinesterase yeah so and what that does is that that breaks up the acetylco uh, uh breaks up the acetylcholine back into its acetyl-CoA and choline form. Exactly. And then some of that stuff can get reuptaken and um, reused. That's right, yeah. And I guess it's important to be familiar with um, uh, acetylcholinesterase because it's a therapeutic target as well, which I'm sure we'll talk about when we talk about dementia and Alzheimer's disease. Mm -hmm. So we talked about acetylcholine. Is 
there anything else you want to add before we talk about the other neurotransmitters? No, I think just generally having a good picture of how yeah. that process works is quite applicable to the rest of them. Exactly. Mm. And acetylcholine is really important for when we talk about the autonomic nervous system. So just store that in the back of your mind when we get get up to those episodes. Mm-hmm. So the next neurotransmitter that I think we should talk about is norepinephrine, epinephrine, or and dopamine. In mm-hmm. Australia, and I think in the UK, we call epinephrine adrenaline, yep. and we call norepinephrine noradrenaline. So don't yep. be confused. The, the terms are interchangeable. Mm-hmm. Before we talk about it, though, Andy, how is it synthesized? These neurotransmitters, the dopamine, norepinephrine, and epinephrine, uh, are all synthesized from this uh, chain reaction. Yep. So that's right. I think it's tyrosine that's converted to L-dopa by this um, tyrosine hydroxylase, yep. and then the L-dopa gets converted to dopamine by dopa decarboxylase. Yep. And the chain goes on. Dopamine becomes noradrenaline through this dopamine B hydroxylase. That's and right. And then finally it gets converted to adrenaline through, uh, what is it? The phenyl- that's a long one, I think. That's yeah. it. That's but that's mainly in the adrenal glands is where, where you yeah. get to see this. So predominantly mm. our focus is going to be on dopamine and um, noradrenaline. Mm. What's interesting is that some of the enzymes you mentioned are actually therapeutic targets as well. So that's another... Mm. Um, that's for a future talk as well, especially when we talk about Parkinson's disease and some of the antidepressants. Yeah, all dopers and dopamine. Yeah, yep, exactly, exactly right. Mm-hmm. Now, so let's briefly talk about some of the receptors that these guys bind onto. Again, these are important when we talk about the autonomic nervous system. So yep. what are some of the um, receptors that, um, let's say, adrenaline or noradrenaline binds onto? Well, the adrenaline binds onto alpha or beta receptors, yep. which are adrenal receptors, right? Yeah. I what think same with noradrenaline. They're both, uh, they have mm. slightly different affinities for different types of noradrenaline. Depending on the tissue. Well. Yeah, and, and the tissue yep. as well. But, mm. you know, essentially these guys bind to alpha and, uh, and beta receptors. Yep. And we won't talk about the, the function of these receptors yet. I think it's a little bit early. Mm-hmm. But once we talk about these functions, they're also applicable to some of the cardiology talks that we will give in the future as well. Yes. So again, as with acetylcholine, these guys can't be in the synapses forever. So mm-hmm. what are some um, mechanisms of reducing their, their load within the synapse? Yeah. So once they're synthesized and released, they can be uh, they're removed by either reuptaking, yeah, or they're metabolized by these two particular, um, uh, I guess, enzymes. Yeah. So one is uh, monoamine oxidase (MAO), or the other one is COMPT, which is um, catechol. Uh, catechol O-methyltransferase. That's right. And so I think both of these are also, once again, drug yeah, targets. Yeah. There's a lot of drug targets with these sort of mm. pathways. Um, yeah, so cool. they're involved with break, breaking down um, adrenaline. And I think dopamine as well. Monoamine oxidase has two subtypes, A and B, that oh, are yeah. important. Um, yeah. I think A is predominantly involved in the breakdown of adrenaline mm-hmm. and noradrenaline, and B is more important for dopamine. Okay. But just if you remember monoamine oxidase inhibitors, they're just... Uh, Monoamine oxides, they're important for breaking down of noradrenaline. Is yeah. there anything else you want to add before we move on to our next? Well, as uh, probably just to re-emphasize it, uh, the adrenaline part is, uh, the adrenaline is just nor- noradrenaline yeah. converted to adrenaline in the adrenal medulla. Exactly, yeah. yeah. So that's not really produced thing. in the synapses, it's mainly produced in the uh, adrenal gland. Yes. We also mentioned that dopamine is a precursor for both of these um, uh, hormones. Yes. So um, dopamine, again, is broken down by monoamine oxidase and... Um, Compt. Yeah, Compt, so catechol methyl transferase. Yep. What receptors does dopamine normally bind onto? 
Well, I think there's dopamine receptors, so they're called either D1 or D2 receptors. Yeah, they're the big classes. Mm. Yeah. And both of them, they, or they either activate the adenylcyclase yeah. with D1 receptors or D2 receptors cause an inhibition of adenylcyclase. So these are the, um, is it the metabotropic? Possibly. Uh, I think um, I'm not 100% sure what, yeah. um, whether they're ionotropic or metabotropic. We'll talk about what we mean by these mm. terms in, in, a, in an upcoming episode. Yeah. But essentially what you're getting is that D1 does activatory work mm. and yep. d2 does the inhibitory work and that's probably important when we talk about the basal ganglia and when we talk about parkinson's disease mm. um so again store that in the back of your mind and mm-hmm. once again these dopamine receptors are therapeutic targets as well particularly with um, antipsychotic medications um mm. now we mentioned that we're going to quickly cover serotonin and histamine as well so let's briefly talk about um mm. serotonin okay where is serotonin um so what is it made from is it tyrosine or is it something else i think it's called um tryptophan yeah that's yeah. So it's another amino acid. Yes. Yep. And so it's uh, you usually find it in high concentrations in the brainstem. Yeah. Mm. Absolutely. And um, it could also be converted further downstream into melatonin in the pineal gland. Yep. I think that regulates your um, uh, circadian rhythm. Your circadian rhythm. Yes. Yeah. We won't talk too much about serotonin because we've got an episode with a bit more focus on that. Mm. So we just want to mention it for completeness. Yep. Let's talk quickly about histamine and nitric oxide okay. as well. So what what is there to know about histamine? So histamine is produced from I think another amino acid, histidine, and um, yeah. Uh, it's uh, histamine is commonly known uh, in terms of allergies and things like that where it's released by if I'm not mistaken mast cells and it causes mm-hmm. vasodilation or various things mm-hmm. but it also happens to be a neurotransmitter as well mm-hmm. you tend to see it quite a lot in the hypothalamus mm-hmm. and that makes sense because if you give patients um, all all the generation antihistamines and cause mm-hmm. significant drowsiness. Ah. And so it's probably suspected to be due to non-specific blockage of um, histamine receptors in the hypothalamus. Interesting. Which is involved with um, sleep cycles as well. Huh. But um, we'll quickly move on from that because it's not a, it's an important neurotransmitter, but it's not the main one that uh, I, I think is worth, um, uh, worth worrying about. Mm-hmm. Let's quickly finish off by talking about nitric oxide, which is an, another um, neurotransmitter. Yep. So what does it do? Well, it's a nitric oxide is more of a gas rather than like a hormone, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, and so it's a um, it's a short acting inhibitory neurotransmitter that's usually found or either in the GI tract or typically I think what um, blood vessels where they I think they vasodilate, yes, uh, cause vasodilation, and then also they could also be found in the CNS as well. Yeah, how are they synthesized? I think um, nitric oxide synthase converts arginine to um, citrulline and nitric oxide. Mm-hmm. And like you mentioned, it is a gas, so it does travel diffuse fairly easily across the cells, but it's very short-acting and very short-lived. Nitric oxide is of importance when we talk about the cardiovascular block. So just, again, store that in the back of your mind. Um, mm-hmm. When we talk about cardiology, it's probably more of an important one, like you mentioned, because of the vasodilation. Sure. But again, it is a um, potential neurotransmitter that you might come across in your reading. I think for now, this is going to be a bit of a short topic. So we'll, we'll leave it at that because our next one, we're going to talk about glutamate, GABA, and glycine as well. In more detail. In more detail. And we'll talk a little bit more about some of the receptors that are involved as well. Mm. Is there anything else you want to add before uh, we finish off? Well, just a recap. So I think the focus of this episode is just to understand how a... Um, it would be great if you can understand how a action potential comes down and triggers the release of neurotransmitters. Yep. And if you want to do more reading on neurotransmitters and get to know them, well, either know how they're synthesized, how they're released, um, how they're actually removed, removed, yeah. and what do they work on. Exactly. Mm. Um, so that's it for this very short episode. We'll catch up with you in our next episode where we talk about GABA, um, glutamate, and glycine, which are really important neurotransmitters, especially glutamate. Mm. So thanks for tuning in, guys. See you next time.
Our episode today was put together by our executive producer, Gautam, and our core editor, Cindy. For notes, elective experiences, and much more study resources, visit our website on thecommonrounds.wordpress.com or visit us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter. If you like our episodes, please subscribe and rate us on iTunes. It means a lot to us. You've been listening to The Common Rounds. I'm Hamid. And I'm Andy. And we'll see you next time. See you next time.